You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. I'm just saying thank you, Melbourne, for your wonderful sleepless nights, sleepless in Seattle, sleepless in Melbourne. Anyway, it's good to be with you. If you've got a Bible, go to Hebrews 12 quickly. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to say this to us this morning, if I can. I want to say, don't be distracted by what God is not doing, because you're not able to see what God is doing. In Proverbs 29, 18, well-worn text, I know, where there is no vision, the people perish. One version says, when, uh, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, that's where they're most blessed. Don't be distracted by what God's not doing because you can't see what God is doing. God's doing things. God continues to do stuff. And yesterday I spoke about us opening our eyes and being able to see what God's doing, not what the world is doing, not what is the church doing. What is God doing? And I do believe there's this fresh sense of understanding of some of the things that God is doing. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, it says, at that time, and it's on the back, can I just give you a context here? I love Hebrews chapter 10, talks about we can come boldly and with confidence before the throne because of the price, the sacrificial lamb, who made a way, boldly cleared the way for us to come into his presence. And then Hebrews 11, this great uh, text on, on faith and, and all those. And can I remind you, they were only in there, not because of what they did, but they were commended for their faith. It's not the stuff they did. These ancients were commended for their faith, it says. It's their faith. And we need to be a people of faith and do and step out in what God's called us to. And, and so Hebrews 11 is all about faith and what happened and what people did. And, and it wasn't all good. Some of them were beheaded and were, yeah, anyway, just read it and say, okay, by faith. Hebrews 12 is this great picture of this running the race been marked out for us and keeping your eyes and fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And so I love those texts. But then we get to this verse 26. And the writer of Hebrews says, At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. One translation says, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Verse 27 says, The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Another version says, One last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk, so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. I love that. Getting rid of all the religious junk and all the stuff and the things that can be shaken. God is shaking things up. And in verse 28 it says, Therefore, because of that, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. 
You see, we have been through some shaking. And shaking reveals what you're anchored to. And I don't like shaking, but I'm grateful for the shaking. I've hated this last season, and I've loved this last season. But I wonder how many of us honestly have responded like the writer of Hebrews has told us, that we to honor Him and, and approach Him with reverence and awe and with thankfulness. How many of us have been grateful for the shaking that takes place? And the reason we're to be grateful is because we are receiving, not achieving, receiving an unshakable kingdom. May I suggest this morning that anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but that which stands is the kingdom of God. And I'm grateful that in this side of eternity with the shaking, that the, the stuff that has fallen, we can adjust because this side of eternity, we can fix it. I'm grateful that I haven't given my life and everything, my family and my everything to something that one day we find out is a waste of time. I'm grateful that through the shaking, God reveals what's Him and what's not Him. And so I want to say to us, friends, we've got to approach Him with reverence and awe. We've got to come to this place of thankfulness, gratefulness, even through the stuff where we've lost people, lost stuff. It's in it all God's revealed what's kingdom and what's not. And we need to approach Him. Our God is a consuming fire. God is shaking things up. We blame our governments. Who I get it. We blame the devil, and he, he's real. I get all But God's part of the picture, shaking things up. We've got to see what God's doing in the mix, not blame everyone else. God is shaking things up. God will shake and will continue to shake. And just watch, even in the church world, He's shaking it up to reveal what's God, what's His kingdom, and what's not. We've lost, even in our ranks, some stuff. Churches have shut down. In the U.S., 35,000 churches shut down in COVID and have never opened again. That's a concern. That's heart-wrenching. But is it kingdom? So shaking reveals what we're anchored to. I believe God shakes for many reasons. And part of the shaking is to break things down. Part of the shaking is to break things up. Part of the shaking is to break through. How many of you know there's been some incredible breakthroughs through the shaking that I don't think we would have seen or experienced if not for some of the shaking that we've been through? God shakes to break things open. There's a wonderful text in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7, and it's one of the most quoted scriptures, and it says this, that God opens doors that no man can shut. Don't you love that? That means there's nobody on this planet that can close the doors that God's open. There's no person, no government, no demonic thing. No, nothing can shut what He opens. How many of you love that? But can I say, it goes on to say, and He closes doors that no man can open. Whoa! I've not heard anyone preach on the door closer. Every time a door closes, it's the devil. Every time the door opens, it's God. Well, the same God who opens doors that no man can shut... He closes doors that no man can open. And we need to celebrate as much as we do the door opener, also the door closer. Because God is doing things. And God closes doors in order for us to see open doors. He shuts some things for a moment or for a season. And we're so busy trying to kick that door down and praying and fasting for the reopening of a door that He has shut. Let's look for the new doors. 
Let's look for the open doors. Let's look for what God's doing and walk through those doors. Nations have shut to us, but many nations have opened to us. Regions have shut to us, but many unreached regions have opened to us. Hearts of people in the shutdown have opened up. People opened up. They were never open because of some of the shutting. And I'm just trying to say, hey, let's see what God's doing. But God shakes to break things open. He's the great door opener, and He's the great door closer. God also shakes to break in. He wants to break in. And I've watched, and I'm delighted, even in this kind of this gathering, that there's a hunger for the authentic and the presence of God. God wants His church back. And when He shakes, it's to break in. He doesn't want us to do our thing and hope He's in it. He wants us to do His thing and reveal that He's in it by His manifested presence. And, and, and I've often said recently, what would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not people. May I be bold enough to say it probably look a lot different to the church in the Western culture right now. And I'm not anti all the great things. These things are awesome. But God's not drawn to any of this. He's not drawn to a stage. He's, not drawn. He's drawn to the heart of the people in this room. And we don't emphasize the heart enough. We emphasize all the smoke machines. And, and I'm not anti. You hear me? That's fine. But that's to draw people. That doesn't attract God. Let's build the church that attracts God. And watch what people will do. Watch people, Australians, come and line up to find God. Because God is with us as He breaks in to His church. Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus' presence is the church's power. It's His presence that gives us His power. He also shakes to break out, to get us to break out. Can I suggest that COVID, I don't believe God sent COVID. If you do, you're wrong, but we can agree to disagree. I can tell you where it came from, but I won't go there. However, however, can I say this? God allowed COVID. How do I know? Because it happened. And God didn't send it, but God uses it. Can I say God's desire was not for the church to go online? was to get the church out of the building. That we need to gather on Sunday, but we need to get out and be the church. And part of the shaking is to get us out, to break out, to go out and be what He's called us to be. Colossians 1, I'm just going to throw a few scriptures at you. Just so you know, this is not my idea. This is the Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been saved from and we've been saved into. And I love your testimony because we need testimony because it stirs our heart to trust God. And the Bible says that they overcame the, uh, by the, the blood of the Lamb and the power of your testimony. Great. But let me tell you this. The testimonies we should be given is what we've been saved into, not just the stuff we've been delivered from. So many of us talk about what God's took me out of. But more importantly, what did He take you into? And we've been told, we've been rescued from the domain of darkness or the, 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 the power of darkness into this kingdom. So it's more important what we get saved into than what we've come out of. And I'm just telling you this morning, while we are the church, it's not about the church. It's about the kingdom because we've been rescued from darkness into the kingdom of light. Matthew 6, seek first His kingdom. Can I suggest His will and His righteousness, His way, and all these things will be given to you. We are, our priority as believers is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom, His will, 
and his righteousness his way and these other things will be added to us seeking the kingdom is our priority Matthew 13 verse 44 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field and when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field I just want to remind you, because I have watched and seen many, and even in my own life, we lose our joy when we become about the field rather than the reason the field exists. The only reason that field had any value was because of the kingdom, the hidden treasure. And with joy and gladly, he sold everything he had and he bought the field. But the reason the field had significance was because of the hidden treasure. And Jesus is saying the kingdom is the thing that keeps us joyful, happy, and involved. We give up everything for the kingdom. But some of us have got so busy taking care of the land or the property, mowing the lawn, mowing it. We become unhappy because we've made it about the lawn or the land, the property, rather than the kingdom. Are you with me, friend? It's so easy to lose your joy, even in kingdom stuff, if it's not about the kingdom. Ministry is no joke. And carrying God's people is no I'm just telling you, I know it's hard being a sheep. But sheep bite, and people are falling out. I I want to be sincere and gracious to people falling out of the race. But could it be they're losing their joy because they've made it about the ministry, and we forgot it's actually about the kingdom of God? I'm telling you, in my own life and ministry, when I've lost the understanding of kingdom, it's becoming hard work, it's difficult, it's exhausting, and I want to quit. But he, Jesus said, the kingdom is like treasure in a hidden, that's hidden in a field. So don't forget, it's the treasure that gives significance to what we do. It's the kingdom of God. Romans 14, verse 17 and 18, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. See, kingdom living is the central theme of the entire New Testament. Jesus spoke in the Gospels more about the kingdom than anything else. Jesus' first sermon was on the kingdom of heaven being at hand or near, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He prayed to the Father that His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It's the kingdom that is delivered over to the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. It's the kingdom that demands repentance. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. It's the kingdom that Jesus explained to the bewildered disciples before Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And guess what? He went about for 40 days preaching the kingdom. Do you see the theme here? It's not an optional extra. It's not something we tag on to what we're doing. It's the main theme of why we exist, the kingdom of God. I had lunch with Paul and Monica yesterday, and he mentioned that you guys are doing a series on the kingdom, and I said, stop, don't tell me anymore, because I want to come and share what I believe God's called. So either we're all missing it, or maybe we're all hearing it. I don't know what's being covered, but he said they're doing a series in this church on the kingdom, and I knew that I'm coming to speak on the kingdom. So here we go. God is speaking. Are we listening? It's the kingdom 
that Nicodemus was seeking of great personal risk. John 3 verse 3, Jesus said, No one can see the kingdom of God unless we're born again. It's the kingdom that is not in word but in power. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. So here's the deal, guys. The church is in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. Now, yesterday I spent the whole day talking about the church. I'm a church guy. I believe if you're genuine apostolic, then you get a love for Jesus and a love for His church. You can't do one or the other. And if you've got a heart for mission, it's through the church because Jesus is building His church. But I want to say this morning, the church is not the kingdom. And when we position ourselves as the kingdom and think we are, well then, I love your elders in this church, but then they become the king. And they're not, I mean, you can think you're a king, but there is a king that's above this king. And, and I'm just, you, are you with me, friends? And how come 35,000 churches shut down? If the church is the kingdom, then why did they shut down? We have seen churches split all across Victoria, all across Melbourne, and I'm not pointing fingers. We've had churches in our ranks split and shut down and closed down. Why is that? Because it's not the kingdom. If it was, it would still be established and going. Do you know the churches that Paul planted, the Apostle Paul, who writes about these churches, most of those churches don't exist today. Oh. Does that mean it's a waste of time? No, not the kingdom. The kingdom is not the church, and the church is not the kingdom. And so many present the church as the kingdom, and I'm just saying we're not. We're in it, but we're not it. If it's us, then it's all about us. If it's the kingdom, it's all about Him. And that's where we get things wrong, when we make it about ourselves rather than Him. So that while there is a distinction between the two, they must be clear. There's a distinction. It's not the same. We can't muddy the two together and say they're the same thing. The mutual nature of the two must be held in tension. We can never separate the church and the kingdom. And there are some who've done that. It's all about the kingdom and not about the church. Some are all about the church and not the kingdom. We can't separate these truths because they together, but they're not the same. They walk together as two legs needing each other. But they're different meanings and contexts. You see my two legs? Beautiful legs, I know. But uh, Sorry, my wife thinks so, but that's about it. But do you know that I need both these legs, but they're not the same leg, just so you know. And we can't. There's a right and a left wing. And so what, what, what I say to us is it's not either or, it's both. Am I making sense, friends? I believe that the kingdom is the purpose. And the church are the people that fulfill the purpose. The kingdom is the purpose, and we, the church, are the people that fulfill the purpose. But if we make ourselves the purpose, well, how many of you know we get ourselves in trouble, and we've seen the church doing that for too long? So the church needs to view herself again as Jesus did. We are the agent of God's mission. We're not the goal of God's mission. We're the agency through which the kingdom of God comes, but we're not the kingdom It's in us, through us, to advance the kingdom of God wherever we go. And I still believe we need that kingdom-shaped view of the church, not a church-shaped view of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? Quickly. Well, can I suggest it's simply the rule and reign of God. We have so mystified the kingdom and made it so mystical that no one really knows. And so I don't have the full understanding of the kingdom, but this I know. There is some simplicity. We shouldn't just hope we're hitting the mark. We should know what we're involved in. And I believe the kingdom is simply the rule and reign of God. 
God's reign through God's people over God's place. So wherever the kingdom of God comes, that's the rule and reign of God. So I believe if you're born again this morning, you have had the kingdom of God come in you, so now the kingdom of God can come through you. If we pray for healing, and we can do that this, evening, this morning, and, and when someone gets healed and you line up the way God intended, it's the rule and reign of God coming in your life. When marriages are restored, the rule and reign of God coming in your life. When finances and breakthrough, not by ripping off the, uh, your government tax department, but by doing it biblically, that's the rule and reign of God. So people say, are you about the kingdom now? Yes, now and not yet. When Jesus came to earth, he brought the kingdom here. And so I want to just say to you that the kingdom in us and the kingdom through us, but it's very hard through us if we're not allowing the kingdom in us. The rule in us, the rule and reign. Does God rule and reign in your life? Because how can you bring kingdom rule out there if you're not allowing kingdom rule in your life? The rule and reign of God. So what quickly are some of the characteristics of the kingdom? What are some of the characteristics of the kingdom? Well, number one, the sovereignty of the king. <laughs> you knew I'm going to start there, right? Yeah, people say, tired. I'm so tired of hearing about Jesus. Every time you preach, it's about Jesus. Well, I make no apologies because that's what the Bible's about. But if you'd like me to stop preaching about Jesus, I'll tell you what, get kingdom focus and we won't have to talk about Jesus because he will be the focus of everything. You see, the sovereignty of the king is the main sign of the kingdom. Not Jesus a king, Jesus the king. The king of the kingdom. No kingdom has any worth without the king. And I've listened, I really have, because I, I want to hear what people are preaching, and since we've gone through some crazy stuff, what's the people saying, what are preachers saying? And there does seem to be an emphasis on the kingdom, but can I suggest, it's almost like we're preaching a kingdom with a vacant throne. We talk more about a kingdom than a king. The kingdom has no significance without a king. The main ingredient of the kingdom is the king. It all revolves around Him, not us. We are subjects, He's the King. And so the sovereignty of the King is the main sign of the kingdom. If we are church-focused, we are fo the focus. If we're kingdom-focused, He is the focus. And that's how we fix it. And I want to just say, we've got to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of our Australian culture. I still believe the primary battlefront in the kingdom is the truth about who Jesus is. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that he's been given first place, preeminence, not a place, not some place, first place in everything. One of my friends was preaching at our equip in uh, Chicago a few years back, and he coined this thing of Jesus is either ornamental or he's fundamental. I'm thinking, well, and, and actually think about that. You know, when we celebrate Christmas, we put up the Christmas trees. You guys put on, like, pretend there's white Christmas tree and there's no such thing as snow here, but okay. <laughs> I mean, we live in snow. It's hectic. Anyway, it's another story. But we, you know what we do? We decide where the ornaments go. And many people decide where Jesus fits. He's ornamental. Well, that's not kingdom. He's fundamental. If he's fundamental, we fit around him. If he's ornamental, he fits around us. 
And I want to suggest a lot of people, a lot of followers of Jesus have made him ornamental. We add him to who we are, where we want him to be, and we need to come to that revelation. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's been given first place in everything. Preeminence, not prominence. A first place, not a place. And Jesus has to be the reason for everything we say and do. You know, we need to be governed by Jesus, governed by Him. He's our master. He's not our mascot. We need to be guided by the King. I wonder how many of us actually ask the King before we ask our friends or our spouse or our pastor. If you're governed by Him, you best hear what He has to say about your life and what He's called you and I to do. Even in marrying someone or what we're going to do or where we... Yeah, we just pick and choose the right things. How about asking the one we claim is our master, who's the king of this kingdom, of which I'm a part of his kingdom. We spend a lot of time asking God about our future, rather than I'm telling God what our future should look like. And so I just want to suggest, be guided by the king. We gather for the king. Do you know this gathering is essential for all of us? But we don't gather for each other, we gather for the king. We don't go for each other. We go for the king wherever we go. Ministry and on the streets, not just to reach the lost, for the king. We grow for the king. God wants his church to grow, not so we look good, so he is awesome and glorified in the growth. It's all for the glory of the king. I believe in Matthew 16, and I preached out of there yesterday, when Jesus asked disciples, who do people say I am? And some said you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Elisha, one of the prophets. And Jesus said, what about you? And some said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed because of your revelation of me. And then he began to talk about this church that he's building. And then he says this, and I'm giving you keys, not to the kingdom of the kingdom. Can I suggest, and maybe I'm reading into it, but now that you know who I am and you know who the real king is, now I can trust you with my kingdom. And I reckon all of us, if we're honest, we hear this morning saying, trust me with more. I want to be about the kingdom of God. I want to give my attention and my life to the kingdom. Are you trustworthy with who the king is first? Because how can he give us keys to operate and administrate his kingdom if we're still arm wrestling who the king is? I'm the king. He's the king. No, there's one king. And when Peter said, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, he said, now you can have some access to my kingdom because you know who the king is. I do believe God can entrust His people way more as the church with kingdom stuff, administrating His kingdom here, but it's based on who the King is, not in our voice, not in our meetings, but everyday living. (laughs) Secondly, the spreading of the gospel is a sign of the kingdom, characteristic of the kingdom. Can I just tell you this? Kingdom people tell people about their king. Now, I'm all for evangelists. We have them on our team, and they come in, and they stir us, and we feel bad, and we think all the sinners, we better go and tell them all, and then we kind of die off. I'm just serious. That's kind of cheerlead me, make me feel, but can I say, if you're captivated by the king, guess what you'll do? You'll tell people about your king. If, If the church is your focus, you'll invite them to church on Sunday. And I'm not anti, bring them here, but they should be brought here saved rather than get saved on our Sundays if the preacher decides to talk about Jesus. Kingdom people tell people about the king. I'm on the airplanes and now we're traveling big time again. And, and you know, it's a great opportunity to talk to people because they can't go anywhere. And they try. As soon as they ask, what do you do? And you tell them that, excuse me, can I move please? No, you're here for 16 hours. Let's talk. 
And you know what? I talk for hours. It's my job. But I talk about Jesus. And eventually they say, you know what? You haven't told me the name of your ministry, the name of the church. You haven't told me nothing. You've just talked about Jesus. Guilty, yes. Why? Because he's my king. Let me tell you about my king. And even those who are believers say, I'm so refreshing to hear about your king, not your ministry. See, kingdom people tell people about their king. I'll move on. Number three. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, here we go. Yes. See, what I've realized, friends, if we are church focused, please hear my heart. If we church focus, here's what happens. We'll pray for the sick people in the meetings and hope they get healed. But if they don't get healed, it's okay because we know where they're going. But kingdom people understand we must demonstrate the power of God to these people. It's not enough to hope they get healed. They've got to get healed. And here's the thing. If I can talk someone into this kingdom, which I have many times, someone can talk them out of the kingdom. And I've seen that happen many times. But when there's a demonstration of the kingdom of God, signs, wonders, and miracles are not for Bible days. They're for kingdom people today. And they're not for the preachers and the pastors and the evangelists. They're for all God's people to go demonstrate the kingdom of God on the streets for all people. So we've got to come back to the understanding. Signs and wonders should be following us. We don't follow signs and wonders. You get in trouble if you start running after signs and wonders. But the Bible does say signs and wonders should be following us. If you're kingdom focused, it's got to be God demonstrating and we declaring the kingdom of God. The kingdom breaking in. And this is a sick world and our country's sick and your country's sick. Not with COVID. With all depression and all the nonsense. It's real. There's an attack. And we have not, we are power. We have His power. And we've all been given it. All of us in this room. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got the power for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated. Duncan Campbell said, The kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with people, but by people in the churches becoming filled with God. We need the kingdom, friends. Come and I say, to desire the spirit, but to, to refuse the unusual... It's like wanting to swim but not get wet. I like this stuff. I want to experience it. I want to lay hands. But I try jumping in that pool and not getting wet. I'm about to because it's hot. But let me tell you, I will get wet. <laughs> Step out. Trust the Lord. Yeah. Um, and let me just get in trouble here quickly and say this. The Holy Spirit doesn't just enable us to speak in tongues and heal the sick. He also teaches us to be quiet. To ask for forgiveness to repent, to go and apologize. It's the same Holy Spirit. So we love the power and the demonstration, but we don't want the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need both. Same power that laying hands on the sick, same power speaking in tongues, the same power saying, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Be quiet. How many of us know we need to be quiet sometimes? We're so busy telling everyone what we think. Shh. The Holy Spirit will help you. Same Holy Spirit. And that's the signs and wonders. That's, that's a sign and wonder for many people to just be silent. Anyway, let's move on. Number four. I'll just move on quickly. That's why Matt only has me every four years or something. You know. Number four. Number four. Salvation through being born again is a sign of the kingdom of God. 
Now, I, I don't want to get stuck here, and I don't want to get you to question your salvation, but I want to tell you this. We don't talk enough about being born again. We talk too much about being saved. There is a difference. Jesus said no one can see the kingdom unless they be born again. Now, I do believe salvation belongs to God. I believe all the scriptures, but there's something that needs to be captivated again in God's people, that we are born again. We're not bad people being made good. We're dead people being made alive. We don't climb through hoops to one day get to something that he's done for us. The moment you give your life to Jesus, according to scripture, you are born again. You start there. You don't find your way there. But we've jumped through this hoop and confessed and believed and we keep taking people back to the cross. Now I'm going to get in trouble. Move on from the cross. I don't live at the feet of the cross. I live at the feet of Jesus. The cross is the entrance into the kingdom. Why keep going back to the entrance when you're already in? Now I get the cross because without the cross we got nothing. But the cross happened, and the only reason the cross has any significance because of who was on that cross. But Jesus is not on the cross. My Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven, according to Hebrews chapter 1. He's not on the cross. He's not even here. He's in heaven ruling and reigning and crying out on our behalf. So, just hear me please. The cross is the entrance. If you don't come through the cross, you're not in the kingdom. But the cross is the entrance. So don't keep going back to the cross. Get to the feet of Jesus. Worship Jesus where you're at. But come in through the cross. But don't keep sending people out to get back in. Once you come through, you're in. You're new creation. You're born from above. Am I making sense? I hope I'm challenging. You go read the Bible. Don't believe me. But read the Bible. This understanding of rebirth, friends, is critical for understanding of the kingdom. Now, that's why I think a lot of churchgoers don't understand kingdom because of this thing of rebirth, born again. Children inherit the attributes of their parents. And to be a child of God is no small thing. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Kingdom people don't live at the foot of the cross. They live at the foot of Jesus. And this kingdom of God provides a holistic understanding of salvation, including not only what we're saved from, but again, what we're saved for. We're saved from death for life. We're saved from shame for glory. We're saved from slavery for freedom. We're saved from sin for following our Savior. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of of light. And to be saved into God's kingdom is to embrace God's comprehensive rule over every aspect of your life. It's a far cry from merely asking Jesus into your heart. It means a new life, a new identity, a new kingdom. That's being born again. You know, there's a big thing out there, and I understand the identity crisis, and many guys questioning their identity, and I get it, friends, honestly, because there's so much at us and confusion, and so what happens is when you talk to people, they say, well, this is how I was born. I mean, there's songs being written, born this way, and I want to say, I'm not sure. I'm not that clever to know what that means. All I know is this. If you were born that way, you need to be born again. The good news is for all of us, we were born one way, but we've all been called to be born again. So the good news is, if, if you were born that way, the good news is not He wants to take you and make you good. He wants to take there and give you born again, born again, rebirth, 
new creation, not what you think you are, not what you were, who you are the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. Am I making sense, friend? Don't question your salvation, but I ask you this morning, have you understood being born again? If you're saved this morning, you're not a bad dude made good. You're born again. You're a dead person who's been made alive. You're a new creation. And best we start living in that today, not one day if we get to heaven. And that's why I think this is essential. Being baptized is essential. It's not about, you can't, I'm not saved by being baptized, but you're revealing Jesus said, repent and be baptized. I don't believe you're saved by being baptized, but born again is you lay your deadline and you come out publicly and you're declaring to the world what's happened inside. So if you haven't been baptized, I can understand why we're always questioning, am I saved? Should I be saved? I know pastors who don't know if they're saved. And they question their salvation because it's based on me. You're not saved based on anything you've done. You're saved based on everything he's done. However, you're a new creation and you can't keep questioning your salvation. Are you with me, friend? And that's why we need to get baptized, because it's leaving the old life and you're a new creation. Not your dead, not your bad life. You're dead. You were dead. Now you're alive. And Jesus required of us to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized today, there it is. Don't wait till next, well, do it today. You might not make next Sunday. I mean it, friends. I, I think we've got to get, oh, well, let me think about it, pray about it. What are you praying about? He told you, get baptized. If you tell him, I'll tell you when I'm ready, then you're not serving him. He's not your master. He's not the king. It's not an optional extra if you want to get wet. And, I, and I've led the churches in my life, and, and we've always said, look, if you want to, after eight weeks of teaching on baptism, if you'd like to get baptized, let me know. It's our fault by telling you it's okay not to. There's nothing. Once you say yes, you're saying yes to everything, and the one thing he says is be baptized. It's a declaration of the death and the new life being born again. Number five, quickly, I won't, I'll land here suffering, and I won't speak on that, but I'm just telling you, suffering is a sign of the kingdom. Just read the Bible. Acts 14, that says they went and they preached the good news. This is what their word of encouragement. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven, they said. Do you know that our people have fallen away? And I don't want to point figures, but even in this church, people that were here last time I was here are no longer here. And not they bad people. Maybe... They were about the church and not the kingdom because it's the kingdom that helps us endure. Yeah. But if it's church going and the church shut down, I don't like who's preaching. I Before we know it, we're gone. Why? Because our faith is in that stuff. But when he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom, when people get kingdom, people will stay through all situations and contexts. That's why you've got to have your faith and understand this is a kingdom thing. Number six, it's about sending and multiplying. I've got a whole list on that, but number seven, let me land with this. It's a life of significance. One of the greatest things for me, I believe, about the kingdom of God is this. It gives you significance to everything you do. You know, for so long, and I, I get it, we say this, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? How many know that's a big deal? Because you decide, not God. God sends no one to hell. God has made a way for people to respond. You choose to go to hell or not. So there is a big deal how you respond this morning. But we've left it there and said, if you were to die tonight, where, where will you spend eternity? And we leave it there. Like we made it all about dying. I, I want to say kingdom understanding is this. If you wake up tomorrow, which is more likely for most of us, if you wake up tomorrow, who or what will you live for? 
That is as essential as if you die tonight, where will you spend eternity? Kingdom people understand, friend, it's not your role in this local church. And I'm grateful for the musos and the elders, but most of us have an understanding that if I don't play a role on this stage on Sunday, I'm insignificant. I'm just telling you, that's not in the Bible. What you do wherever you go is kingdom understanding. And we're grateful for all this, but this is not it. This is church. Kingdom is every person here. When you get up tomorrow and you go to work and you go and do your stuff and mothers and fathers or whatever your thing, if you're doing what God's called you to do, listen, friend, it is significant because He has given you significance. It doesn't matter who sees. So we've got to stop saying you've got to serve here. Serve God by being a kingdom-minded person. And go with purpose and live with purpose and recognize everybody here is significant in the kingdom of God. And I love that. It doesn't matter who gets to preach. It matters we're all living in the kingdom. For the king, bring in honor and advancement of his kingdom rule and reign so he can come back for his people. Can we close our eyes, please? Is that cool? You good? I, I obviously don't know everyone here this morning, um, but it would be wrong for me to speak on this and not give you an opportunity not to respond. So first and foremost, are there people here this morning that have never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? You've never actually yielded and surrendered to the rule and reign of God. That's where it begins. We, we can talk about all this other stuff, but none of that matters until you come to the cross, through the cross, into this kingdom. So I want to ask you this morning, friend, not do you know, do you go to church, not are you religious, not have you heard of Jesus, have you surrendered your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you yielded to His rule and reign, and have you come to accept what He's done on the cross for you? Because it's on that that you can find your salvation and your being born again. And if you haven't, or if you're questioning or wondering, you can settle it right now. And it's good to do that. There's a moment for that. If you say, I, I, I need to settle this. I want this sorted out this morning. Then just put your hand up. I'd love to just not call you out. I'm going to pray for you. It's not, you're not saved by making promises to God. You're saved by believing His promise to you. He's done it all, but we need to yield and surrender this morning. It's up to us to say yes or no. And so I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. Is there anyone here who needs to yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Come through the cross, born again this morning in this room. Is there anyone? And I'm not auctioning him. I'm telling you, this is your moment. Don't mess it. Is there anyone here? The second thing I want to ask them is if you need a fresh surrender, like literally not, oh, Lord, I feel bad. There's not feeling bad. It's surrendering to the rule and reign. Yeah. You cannot bring the rule and reign out there, friend, if you haven't got the rule and reign in you. Yeah. Kingdom in us, then through us. Yeah. And I've had to, even this morning on my knees, saying, Lord, rule and reign in some of these areas. Before I come address your people, I've got to make sure there's the kingdom rule and reign. So it's not feeling bad. It's getting liberated. In the only place where surrender brings victory is in the kingdom of God. When you surrender, that's where you find your victory. And so if you feel like, hey, you know what, Tyron, I'm one of those. I just need to yield afresh. I need to just 
allow the rule and reign of God to come in my life. If my marriage, my situation, maybe healing, maybe you need deliverance, whatever it is, friend. Maybe it's just a fresh touch. I'm not forcing it. The meeting's over in a moment. But we just got a few minutes to say, yeah, let's respond. If we've heard about the kingdom, how can we go and do it out there if we haven't allowed him to do it in us? It's not a one-off. It's an ongoing. I'm not sending you back to the cross. I'm asking you to get to the feet of Jesus this morning. Where is ruling and where is reigning? And let him take full reign and rulership in your life. Healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational healing. That's where the kingdom of God comes. Breakthrough. Yield in this morning. So maybe you can just posture yourself for some of that yielding. But respond, friend. God responds to people who respond. Just maybe raise your hands or stand or get on your knees or whatever. Just, just wherever you're at, however. But, but please respond. Don't waste these moments. Let's just yield afresh to the Lordship, the rule and reign of God. Come and rule and reign in our hearts, Lord, we pray. We yield to your ruling and your reigning. Come and rule and reign in my life, in our lives. Pray for healing. Pray for wholeness. Pray for peace. Pray for significance. No striving in the kingdom. No achieving in the kingdom. We receive the kingdom is what the writer of Hebrews tells us. We receive your kingdom this morning in us. Just come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, King, and rule and reign in our lives. Come and have your way. As we look to you, our eyes are on you, Jesus, the King of kings. The reason this kingdom exists is because of you. And we look to you this morning. Our eyes are fixed on our King who's ruling and reigning. Because of your rule and reign, we can find freedom here this morning. Born again. Born from above, inheriting the attributes of our Father. Not bad people being made good. Dead people who are now alive. Would you let that life come again? Giver of life, release your life. Even that reminder of the kingdom, Lord, that the only reason that that land has any significance because of the kingdom, the hidden treasure. I really do sense there's some of us here who've got busy with kingdom stuff, but we forgot about the kingdom. We've lost our joy if we're honest. And I feel like the Lord's saying, I'll give you fresh joy if you come back to that place again. New joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Just receive where you are and yield to the Lord. Let Him rule and reign in this place. Come rule, come reign, King Jesus. As we yield afresh to our great King and Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.